Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores! Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Outsiders. Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. And here we go again another week. And this is going to be a lot of fun today, Robin. Absolutely. We've got the Grey Cup bash yes. in the rearview mirror. And we got uh, Craig McTavish and Jerry Forbes uh, coming up. It's yep. going to be good. It's, uh, it's going to be a blast. And we'll get uh, to those two gentlemen coming up in a little bit. Let's uh, quickly talk about the Grey Cup Festival in Calgary. All indications uh, are that it was another smash success. We talked with Dwayne Vigneault last week, and uh, he, he's been involved with numerous ones in Edmonton and the Canadian Football League, decided to hire him on, and now his job is to take the party from city to city to city based on what they did in Edmonton a year ago. And in Calgary, it just sounded like it went uh, spectacularly well. And we'll get to Jerry Forbes, who's a longtime radio personality in Calgary, coming up in a little bit, and he can kind of give us a bit of a breakdown on that. Plus, we got to talk about the game. The Hamilton Tiger Cats were the best team during the regular season, but they did not win it. They were absolutely manhandled and or mauled, I guess, by, uh, by a Winnipeg Blue Bomber team that the midway point of the season, Robin, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with those guys. Matt Nichols go down with the injury, and then you have Strevler, and then you uh, have Kolaris basically kind of come out of nowhere, and they are able to gain a little bit of momentum down the stretch. And then not only did they, they went into Calgary in the Western semifinal, beat the Stampeders there, and then had to go into Mosaic in Regina and beat the heavily favored Saskatchewan Rough Riders there. And then they had to take on the team that was the best during the regular season, and they did it. They are full value for winning this year's Stanley Cup championship and the first one in 29 years. Well, that was an ass kicking that nobody, and I mean nobody, saw coming. You and I talked leading up to this game. The heart kind of said, well, it would be nice if the Bombers could win, but you know, the Thai Cats are the best team. They're a 15-3 and three team. I had the Thai Cats. I can't think of one person that said, I've got the Bombers by three touchdowns. <laughs> Let, you know, not even two. Most people kind of, you know, hardcore Bombers fans, oh, I think we can find a way hoping against hope. But that was as one-sided a game as I've seen in a long time. It started badly for the Thai Cats. The, the, you know, and the Bombers, a couple of things there, uh, and, and we'll certainly touch on this. The Andrew Harris thing to me, regardless of what you thought about what happened earlier in the season, oh, cheater this or cheater that, he came out and he played pissed off and he ran over people, around people, and through people. And when you had that and you had Kolaris uh, pulling the levers like he was back there, it just looked like a team that wasn't going to get beat by anybody on that particular day. And I'm stunned by the result because it was not close. I had a game plan going into this, and that was I'm going to watch the first half of the Grey Cup game. Then I'm going to watch the halftime show because I'll be fascinated to see what kind of performance Keith Urban would put on. And it was a much-talked-about selection as a halftime uh, performance. We'll get to that in a second as well. And then if I could, if the game was maybe just a, a little lopsided, I would flip over and watch the Edmonton Oilers take on the Coyotes in Arizona. I, I knew midway through the the first half that I was going to be flipping over full time to the hockey game because I'm with you. It was a nasty first quarter. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers set the tone defensively and offensively, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats were down on the mat before you even knew what happened. And I was, I'm like you, I was very shocked and very surprised. Hamilton, the previous week in the Eastern final, did the exact same thing to the Edmonton Eskimos, mm -hmm. came out and took a tomb early, and the Eskimos really never recovered from that. But full marks to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I just was so impressed. I've really been impressed with how they handled the season. 
And I have a lot of friends in Winnipeg, and that's a long time to go between Grey Cup victories, 29 years, and I'm very happy for everybody there. They they haven't had a lot to cheer for in Winnipeg over the last few years with their Blue Bombers, and the same with the Jets. And, it, you know, the, I guess the biggest thing they've had to cheer for over the last 20, 29 years is getting their hockey team back. So I was very, very pleased to see what happened. The other thing, too, a lot of conversation about – the halftime show. Some people actually thought when it was announced, and it was announced in the same week, that the Super Bowl halftime show was going to feature J-Lo and uh, I can't even remember the other performer. Uh, I've gone blank, but whatever. And the same time Keith Urban was announced as the halftime show for the CFL. A lot of people believe, and I'm not one of them, a lot of people believe that that halftime show has to be a Canadian performer. And I'm thinking, I think if you want to be big, you got to think big. And they went out and got a performer. Keith Urban is a big-time performer. He put on a big-time show. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I bet you the TV ratings, even though the game was a blowout, Robin, the, 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 the show he put on at halftime was fantastic. It was really solid. And I have friends in the U.S. who said, wow, you guys had Keith Urban on your halftime show? That's taking it up a notch. And I totally agree with that. Yeah, me too. I mean... I don't see the need, you know, there's the Canadian content thing and the thought by many people, and, and they're welcome to their opinion. I don't want a Canadian artist with all respect to the past, and there's been a lot of terrific bands and yeah. performers. I don't want somebody who hasn't had a hit in 25 years dragging themselves up on stage and playing... Uh, one for the old times. Um, well, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> you want Trooper, do you? <laughs> I like Trooper. I do too, but Keith Urban is way bigger and way better at than Trooper at this point in their careers. You know, I, I'm with you. I'm not actually a Keith Urban fan. I don't dislike the guy. It's just not my genre. He's good at what he does, but that's world class. So, yeah. I thought I thought it was fine. I I watched it again. Not a big fan, but I was I was tapping my toe. I liked it. I'm sure there's some young performers out there that would come in under that 20 to 25 year no hit uh, embargo that I talked about. But not that not that many that are a available and b uh, re as recognizable as Keith Urban. So I I'm all for it. It was fine. And he seemed enthusiastic about being yep. here for the event too, which, which I kind of like. And he actually was in the booth with, uh, with the boys from TSN and everybody said, oh, it was a bit awkward. And I'm thinking, you know what? Good on him for at least going up to the booth and talking a little football and having a little bit of fun. I, I caught that, I think during one of the intermissions in the hockey game, but for the most part, I just think that it sounded like the whole festival went well. The game was a bit of a blowout, but that happens. Yeah, you know what? You mentioned it off the top, Bryn. You know, the, the committee and the people that pulled the show off here in Edmonton last year did a terrific job. A lot of them went down to Calgary, and, uh, you know, from everything I've heard, it was a big success. And that the, you know what? The party's part of it. The event is part of it. So good for them. Uh, Keith Urban was fine. Hey, the thing that was that you could easily turn away from uh, more than anything else was the actual game because it wasn't close. So, but that's how it goes. Good for the Bombers. Um, that's that's a good sports town. You've got your ties there, Bryn. Uh, you know, I was with my heart. I thought Bombers. With my head, I thought st I thought uh, Tie Cats. So I'm happy with that result. They've waited a long time. And one final thing to touch on again, and we talked last week with Dwayne Vigneault about this, is that, yeah, there were some Edmonton people involved in this, but this was still a Calgary committee that put this event on. Every mm -hmm. city will have their own committee, yep. but they have this league influence now and saying we can be bigger than this. We can be bigger. And I think the Canadian Football League, that's a huge step in the right direction for a league that needs to take it up about four or five notches in the marketing department. So thumbs up from me, and it sounds like a thumbs up from you. Oh, absolutely. Okay, let's talk. We watched a hockey game on Sunday night between the Arizona Coyotes and the Edmonton Oilers, the top two teams in the Pacific. And it was uh, the night before the Oilers had played in Vegas, and that was a heavy, heavy game. And it was a huge win for the Edmonton Oilers. They they really did grind down the uh, the the Golden Knights, but then they have to have something left to take on Arizona, who's a heavy checking team as well. 
and they found a way to get a win in a shootout over over the Coyotes. The Edmonton Oilers have got to be very pleased with the way this road trip has gone thus far, heading into a game Wednesday in Colorado to wrap it up. Oh, absolutely. You know, the thing that Dave Tippett has managed, Dave Tippett and, and the roster, the players play the game, obviously. If they have a bad outing, you're not always going to win. You're going to play well, and sometimes you just lose. But if you have a bad outing, what you don't want to do is spiral out of control where uh, a loss becomes two, becomes three, becomes four. This team has not done that this year. Even on this road trip, which is against tough divi- uh, Pacific Division opponents and is going to go a long way to uh, you know, where they finish in the Western Conference. There's a lot of road left, as they say, but this is one of those road trips where all the games matter. You're not playing Eastern teams. And when they gave up the two quickies, I thought they were going to lose that game last night. Then they come back late. Then they win it in the shootout. So far, they have found a way to bounce back and not stay in the ditch very long. And that's how you become a contender. They have been very resilient this season. In the past, they've been fragile. Mm -hmm. Let's go from resilience to fragility. Let's talk about the Calgary Flames, who, after getting absolutely crushed in St. Louis, 6-0, purely by accident, their plane wasn't ready to take them away after that game, so they had to (laughs) overnight in St. Louis. But what it did do, it gave them an opportunity. They they started right after the game with a closed-door players-only meeting. And then it carried over to the hotel afterwards because they now were staying a surprise night in St. Louis. And I thought they came up with a pretty solid effort in their next matchup. I just, I, it's, we've talked about this now for weeks about what is going on there. And uh, David Riddick has been great in goal, almost too great. He's kept them in some games that maybe they should have got blown out earlier. But uh, Sean Monahan for me, uh, Johnny Goudreau, for me, have just been not quite on their game. I saw signs of them starting to come out of it a little bit in the game in Philadelphia where they won. So they got to pick it up a few notches because we're getting close to that all-important or the, the – are you a you big believer in the U.S. Thanksgiving thing? Uh, no. Because this is the week. Uh, I'm not a big believer in it, and I would suggest the St. Louis Blues aren't a big believer. But they're in a rarity. That yeah. does not happen very often. True. You know what? Uh, I don't know what's wrong down in Calgary. This is a better team uh, than what they look like in the standings. Oh. So you really got to know what's going. You can look at points totals. You can look at highlights. I don't see uh, all their games. I do know uh, I was writing a, a piece for Oilers Nation on the weekend about the ridiculous point totals that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have. Right. They are number one, their combined points by a mile. I want to say they were going into last night's game 94. I was adding up, and then uh, Marchand and Pasternak in Boston are second, and they're like at 77 or 78, so they're quite a bit behind. I looked at the Calgary roster, and it was Goudreau and, I forget off the top of my head, they were at like 39. I know. Combined, the top two guys. When, cliche time, when your best guys aren't your best guys, and for scorers, that means something on the score sheet. Now, well, we played a good game, but we didn't score. You can't win if your top end is not top end. Also been a little sloppy at the back end as well. And mm-hmm. when you're giving up on the, you know, giveaway takeaway thing, it just it's been a bit of a disaster for the for the Flames. But I'm with you. I think they've got the talent to get it turned around. I think that they will over time. But the problem right now is the pack's pulling away a little bit. I think they're ten ten points back of the Edmonton Oilers at this point as we get closer to this uh this U.S. Thanksgiving mark. The Oilers now pretty much, if they can win two games, lose one. Two games win, lose one. Two games, they'll be in the postseason. Anyway, we'll be talking a lot about hockey through the winter months here. Uh, let's tell everybody what's coming up in a couple of moments. We're going to chat with Craig McTavish, who he left Edmonton and went over to uh, Russia for a stint and coaching in the Continental Hockey League. Didn't work out very well for him. We'll touch on that. <laughs> also, we we uh, will touch on some other things. You and I have a lot of questions. We've known Craig for a very, very long time. 
So I think that now we've had a little bit of breathing space from when he was here with the Edmonton Oilers. We can maybe address those questions. So we'll get to that with Craig. Yeah, I look forward to it. Uh, Mac was uh, the coach for most of my years on the beat. I always thought him to be a very sharp guy, an astute guy. And I remember when it was time for him to go as a coach, him uh, that last game uh, walking out from the doors uh, towards the bench, he looked so utterly beaten and defeated. It was It's burned into my mind. Craig McTavish is the last guy to ever look defeated uh, and get down. But it was a tough go. The team was bad. He knows the rules when you're the coach and things aren't, you're not winning. You're in the win business. After the high of getting to that 06 Cup final. But this guy uh, is an oiler through and through. There are real ties that bind there. Through the good times and the bad times, we've got to say that. Because there's, there's some bad times in there. Absolutely. And, and, you know, from player to coach to manager, He's an interesting guy. You know him as well as I do, Bren. Uh, you know, he he went away. He went and coached in Chicago on his own. Yep. Went and got did some more schooling. Went to the KHL. Now we've got the Spengler Cup. This is a guy, I said to Mac, I said, when are you going to just relax? And he said, man, I got a lot of living to do. So that's Craig McTavish. And also we'll be chatting with Jerry Forbes. Who, oh, by the way, and Mac T, there's one question I've always wanted to ask him, and I'm going to ask it right at the end of the interview. It's been bugging me for years, this one question, and I never felt like I there was really a time to ask this particular question. I'm going to ask it at the end of the interview. Okay, and Jerry Forbes, longtime broadcaster in Canada, great morning host and a great community guy, is going to join us from Calgary coming up. So let's get this baby going, okay? Absolutely, man. Craig McTavish joins the Outsiders today. Thanks for coming on, and oh my God, you never stop. Thanks for having me, by the way, you two Outsiders. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's get right into this Spengler Cup thing. How did that come about? Oh, I just, uh, I would spoken with uh, Sean Burke quite a while ago, and uh, he was asking me about my level of interest. I said, absolutely, I'd be happy to help out in any capacity. Uh, get back to me when you want to make the decision. And, uh, and he did after a while and, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I, as I told him, I would have rather assisted Wayne over there, but, uh, you know, not understandably Wayne, uh, Wayne, Wayne passed, but, uh, would have been an unbelievable experience for everybody to have him over there, uh, involved with hockey Canada again. Well, Mac, you got another old uh, friend and teammate with you in uh, Paul Coffey as an assistant coach. Um, talk about that a little bit. It's, here's somebody you go back a lot of years with. Uh, that's probably going to be a fun working relationship as well. Well, everybody that has been over there, and I've done it once before about 10 years ago, but uh, everybody that's been over there at the Spangler will tell you it's a you know, maybe the best or certainly one of the best experiences you can have in hockey. It's just the backdrop of the Swiss Alps, Christmas time, families around, lots of energy, lots of kids, and uh, a world-class hockey tournament. So I I think, I mean, all the elements are in place to have have a great time. Certainly uh, with uh, Kopp there is going to help and certainly inspire our players. No, there's not a lot of players that have had more experience playing for Team Canada in big games. He's really passionate about uh, Canadian hockey and uh, and working with Team Canada. So that's, I mean, motivation is never a problem with these players, but uh, there'll be some added motivation with uh, with Kopp on the bench. And I'm looking forward to working with uh, Misha Donskoff from uh, from from Vegas, who I don't know, but he's done uh, worked a lot with uh, with Team Canada 
uh, in the past and, and a guy that's, uh, you know, got a lot of energy and a lot of capability. So I think I'm excited about the staff we have. Mac, uh, we'll touch on the Spengler Cup again, but I got a bigger uh, picture question for you. Uh, and obviously, you were over uh, in the KHL uh, with Yaroslavl. That's another chapter we've got to touch on. But even broad, yeah. broader than that, it's years zip by. I remember when you were still in New York and I was talking to you about coming in to Edmonton and joining the staff here. There's a lot of water under the bridge since then. You come to Edmonton, you have that uh, many years here, you have the, the cup run, um, you end up leaving Edmonton, uh, you end up coming back to Edmonton, you go to Yaroslavl, uh, now Spengler Cup, You've got, uh, what's this coaching bug you've got? You, I mean, you could walk away if you wanted to and go sit by the lake and uh, contemplate life, yeah. but you're still in the mix. Well, I've got a lot of living to do, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate in uh, respect to being in a position where I can uh, choose to do things that I really want to do. And, uh you know, it's, uh, I like the coaching. I really enjoyed working with the, uh, players in the KHL. Uh, it has had its challenges for sure, but, uh, overall it was a wonderful experience over there working with the players. I really enjoyed that part of it. And, uh, you know, it just dovetailed into, uh, into going and coaching Canada at the Spangler. So it's going to be another great experience. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I, I've always liked to stay busy, but I've not done a lot really, uh, over the, over the last, uh, month and a half or two months I've had, you know, treated myself well, went on vacation. Uh, I've really enjoyed, uh, going to the Oiler games, got season tickets at the Oiler games and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't think, I didn't know how I'd react to going to the games, but I've, I've loved it. It's, uh. It's uh, it's a great experience, and certainly sitting down in with the fans lower to the ice level gives you a much better perspective on on the game. I think uh, you know when you watch the games from the press box, where you guys watch the games, or where we were watching the games from the eyebrow on the other side of the press box, it just you just lose so many of the important aspects of the game. And uh, I've really enjoyed it. The Oilers have been great to watch. Uh, McDavid, obviously, and Dreisaitl are just, you know, amazing to, to watch. We're really lucky to be able to watch those two guys night in and night out. And they just continue to get better and more dominant, uh, which, which, which uh, you know, we, we're, we're really, really fortunate to have both those guys. And a couple guys that I've seen this year that have really made a big difference. Uh, one would be uh, Ethan Bear mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. That uh, I mean, just the puck movement and the way he's played has really solidified the defense, and especially that pairing with Darnell. They've been really good from the games that I've seen. I haven't seen them all, but uh, he's he's played. Uh, when you're in the minors, a lot of times you hear, and I believe it to be true that playing in the NHL is sometimes and in a lot of ways easier than playing in the American hockey league, because everything's more organized. Uh, the execution is, uh, at a, at a better level, a greater level. And Ethan bear can think the game and, and move the puck. And he's, he's really, uh, in a lot of ways, he's playing better here than, uh, he did last year in Bakersfield. And he was really good down there last year. So, He's been good, Cassian. I like the grinders, and he really he he really brings a lot uh, mm-hmm. for me. I enjoy him, but have uh, really enjoyed watching the Oilers this year. You know, this is going to be a fun interview because it's going to be just like having a coffee with you in the coach's room because we're going to be all over the place. Because I was going to ask you yeah. a question about the K. We'll get to that in a minute, yeah. but I got to ask you. So you're sitting in the crowd now watching these games. How is that? How is everybody in the section you're in? They're awesome. I mean, they're great. I think, uh, you know, just 
great Oilers fans, very supportive. I mean, the team's been easy to support. I mean, uh, I might not have wanted to be there last year, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, no, they've been great. Uh, they're really respectful to me and, uh, you know, just, uh, I've had a great time. I know everybody around the section around me and, you know, my, I go to the game with my kids and, uh, my wife and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great entertainment. You know, Mac, uh, you look back over all the years, and you've been in Edmonton for many of them. Fans here, now this might sound a bit odd because things haven't gone well for most of the last 13 years, but to have McDavid and Dreisaitl now, and I think you can make a fair argument that if they aren't the best two players in the game, both of them are in the top five right now, to have that as a fan after you've seen Gretzky and fill in the blank after him, Messier or Coffee or Curry or any number of guys, I mean, there are fan bases that don't get two players like that to cheer for Ever. At, the, at the same time in an entire lifetime. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I think all the success that the team had in the, uh, in the 80s and then another Stanley Cup in 1990, I mean, the pendulum in professional sports swings both ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had, we had a great run and then we had a really lean run, um, painfully lean for everybody. Uh, But uh, it's the pendulum swinging the other way now. That's what I see. And the best players normally win. And I mean, I'm really confident that, uh, I can't tell you the year, but I'm really confident that we're going to win again. You uh, you mentioned Mark Messier a couple of seconds ago, Robin. You uh, spent the weekend with Mess. Yeah, yeah, we were at the Canadian the Canada Walk of Fame. Yes, and uh, it was a big gala dinner in in uh, Toronto, and Mark was uh, inducted. And you know, it just it was it was a great evening. Uh, an eclectic mix of uh, inductees, some from sports, Frank Gary. Mr. Dressup. Uh, Mr. Dressup was inducted, was he Mi- not? Mr. Dressup was inducted, <laughs> too, which was amazing to me that he got his start working with Mr. Rogers. Yes. So, yeah, so, it, I mean, that, that, was, that was pretty cool. And uh, Frank Gary, the famous architect, Canadian, uh, lives in L.A. now, I mean, he's an older gentleman. He's got to be, you know, definitely mid to late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, had tons of great accomplishments. He's, he's done amazing things uh, when you see his uh, body of work. Didn't mention one thing about architecture. All he could talk about was pickup hockey in, uh, <laughs> in L.A. Uh, and Mark Messier, <laughs> which was just the power of uh, just what hockey means to Canadians, but he did not say one thing about anything that he did. Wow. But it was, it, it was a great night. Uh, Will Arnett was inducted. He was, uh, he was hilarious. I mean, he's, he's a funny, funny guy. So, and, and the rock band triumph. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it, it was, uh, it, it was quite a night, but uh, really uh, befitting, these great Canadians, and uh, we were all happy to be there to uh, be part of it with Mark. I tell you, Mac, going back to this KHL thing, you've dabbled in uh, a little bit of the media stuff before. You've done some analysis. You know how easy the game looks from up in the press box where all all us clowns sit and criticize Mm -hmm. uh, before you get too close to the game and everything speeds up. But the thing you did on the KHL that you wrote for TSN, I thought it was a real scream. And one of the things that stuck with me was a for, one of your former players, uh, Dennis Grebishkoff, giving you the word that you were going to get canned and that you wouldn't need to go to the rink anymore. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Dennis, I would, he, he's an awesome guy, really sharp guy. And, uh, really was a great asset for me over there. But, uh, you know, Dennis is, uh, you know, he's a kind hearted soul. And, uh, 
So he would do the translation when I would meet with uh, Yuri Yakovlev. Uh-huh. And Yuri's a powerful man. Like he's a he's got a real presence to him. Uh, he's not a big guy, but he's he's got a real presence. And then you know, Dennis, we'd get into it a little bit, and uh, it start getting heated. And Dennis would have to translate this, which wouldn't be natural for him. <laughs> and we'd go out of those meetings and his armpits would be just so <laughs> just being in the middle of, uh, of that. But, uh, you know, he, he, he was, uh, he, he was a, a terrific ass, a very bright guy is going to be a good coach, I think, uh, over there and, uh, did a, did a, did a wonderful job for us. Mac, one of the things that a lot of Canadian hockey fans, when they take a look at the K, they're they're a little dismissive of it. But I, I got out of your article that you did on TSN.ca that that was it a bit of an eye opener for you because it just sounded like in some ways it was much better than you thought, and maybe a couple of things disappointed you. Is that fair? Yeah, that's that's a good description of it. I think the uh, the individual skill level is is high. The practices are really good. The passing isn't as good, isn't it anywhere close to being as good as it is at the NHL level. The pace is good. Uh, the atmosphere is every bit as good. I mean, the, the Russians are really passionate about their hockey. They're very supportive, I found. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I would recommend it for hockey fans. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to get a Russian visa. It's, I mean, it's just time consuming. It's not that hard, but to go over and watch a game in St. Petersburg or Moscow. And if, uh, if you're a hockey fan and uh, want to get a, a, a look at a different style of hockey, it's well worth it for people to go over there and have a look. Mac, uh, Yaroslavl is a special place. We know what happened there. Uh, back in 2011, I mean, as far as tragedies go, whether the sports world or otherwise, that's one of them. An entire team is lost. You had some people uh, on that plane that you'd played with, uh, Pavel Dimitra, uh, Brad McCrimmon, and Alexander Karpotsev. What? How did that strike you when you were there in the town? And it's been year, it's been eight years, but something like that has still got to be. Uh, pretty prevalent well they they really uh honor those those players and those people that uh were lost that day like Mm -hmm. it's every year they uh the team goes to the uh uh to to the gravesite of the players that are there and uh you know there's a big ceremony at the uh at the rink and outside the rink. And it's a really special day. And the Russians I found to be, uh, uh, have a lot of pride and, uh, you know, they, they have the, definitely the right perspective on, uh, on keeping these people, uh, in the forefront. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was, it was nice. Uh, I, I felt gratified to be part of that, uh, this year and uh you know it just it just you know things like that have a way of uh really lending perspective to your life uh and uh i, I think that uh they they Yaroslavl, the locomotive and yuri yakovlev uh, in particular have done a great job keeping uh, the memory of those players and those people that died on that plane in the forefront Greg, away from the politics of what happened over there, was it worth it for you? Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, the facility I lived in was great. Um, you know, way better than I thought. It was, you know, it was, we all lived in the same area, the players, the coaches, uh, and that was pretty much it in this big compound. Uh, beautiful spa underneath restaurant. They serve three meals a day. Um, it, it was the hockey was good. So the, I mean, it was it was well worth it. I would say, Brent, well okay. worth it. Yeah, Mac. Uh, I'm reading this one paragraph from your your TSN piece. I don't know whether this was a survival tactic or not. 
but I quickly viewed the press conferences as me being trapped in a sitcom. I, assi- yeah. I assigned Edmonton media names to our daily media. You yeah. got Halsey in there. You got Ryan Rashog, uh, Joanne Ireland. Uh, what's that about? Yeah, that's exactly, that's the truth. I just, they, they were, I'm going, these are the same people. They're just speaking a different language. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, and then Joanne, who I always thought she was quite a bit sharper than you guys. Thank you. But, yes, yes uh, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and had, had the best perspective on where sports fit in, in the, in the spectrum of life. And, uh, you know, there was a lady there that's, that reminded me of Joanne and, uh, you know, one guy that uh, reminded me of Ryan, Ryan and I used to go at it a little bit in my early days, but, uh, you know, he's crafting out a, 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 a career for himself and I get all that, but, uh, and, and there was a, uh, an older gentleman that reminded me a bit of Halsey, but it, it was, it, it, it was quite surreal. Well, quite surreal. Well, you know, I mean, you've you've done some work with TSN you know that you're you know is that your mandate as part of Ryan Rashad's daily radio spot on the station eh <laughs> yeah he's uh I, I but I spoke with Ryan and I told him that I was going to do this and he was awesome he was great <laughs> hey, he I w- said uh, you know he was he was happy to take the brunt of it <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go back a little bit further here. So, so you come to Edmonton through your playing career, and you walk into this unbelievable team, and you go through this incredible run as a player. All the way through that, were you thinking, gee, I'd like to try coaching or I'd like to try being a general manager at some point? Because it worked out beautifully on the coaching front, taking the team all the way to the cup final in 2006. But Sometimes when guys are getting to yeah. the end of their career, they're already starting to think about that step. What was your process through that? Oh, totally. I always had the last couple, three contracts I had, I did with Glenn. I always did my own contract, but I always had a coaching component to it. Glenn was, you know, he was uh, very supportive of me making the transition from player into assistant coach. And uh, I'd always have, okay, I've got a year of, playing and then uh and then I'd have another couple of years where I would start coaching in the last few contracts that I had and then when I went to New York in uh 1994 it was uh you know then I just I I mean it, that that all uh kind of evaporated and uh I I continued to play for another couple three years but uh and then got into it when I was done. So it, it gave me a leg up, I think, to start my coaching career because the last really four or five years, I knew that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would assemble drills and tactics and techniques that, uh, that, that that I liked from from the other coaches that I had. So it was it was I was I was smart enough to pay attention at that point. Well, you, you talked even uh, at your during your playing time with New York that, you know, you and Kevin Lowe um, would talk about, hey, wouldn't it be nice one day if, and sure enough, uh, you turn into a, a tandem here where you were teammates on the ice winning those cups. He takes over from Glenn in 2000 um, as GM. Right. You come in from New York. You'd been with Billy Moore's in New York. He comes in, and you start that next chapter, and you start that next chapter where you had so much success as a player. That's a great place to start. Yeah, and uh, the first year we were here, we had Ted Green. Yeah, Green was an awesome coach and an unbelievable person. Uh, so it, 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 it everything just kind of worked out. Uh, at, at that point, it made it easy to transition from me, from being a player and going back to New York for a couple of years and end up working with Colin Campbell and then John Muckler after that. Right. And, uh, and, and then, uh, and then came to Edmonton and worked with Kevin and then Glenn left and everything just kind of fit together at that point. 
I, I want to talk a little bit about 2006 and that run because I, I vividly remember watching the Hemsky goal to knock off Detroit in that first round. And I, as I'm walking down to the from the press box of the locker room, I'm thinking to myself, I, I think I can feel there's that special magic about this. And, and, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And Dan Barnes and I talked about it a few times. Did you sense... Did you sense earlier than that that maybe this is a chance we can take these guys and do some damage? Mm, Detroit was so powerful. Yeah. That, uh, once we beat them, I thought we, we have we have uh, we have a chance mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, I mean, Kevin made some unbelievable trades to to really help the team going into the playoffs. Dwayne Rollison, obviously, but some. Spatchek was a huge uh, addition, as was uh, Samsonov. And these guys, they scored huge goals for us at times. Michael Pekka. Uh, Michael Pekka, yeah. yeah. We, we, well, that was, that, that was earlier. When With we the had, yeah. We, we finally had a competitive advantage over everybody else because all these other teams were way overspent to the cap that was just being brought in. And uh, the Oilers, we had we had our own self-imposed budget, and we had the flexibility to add these guys. So it was a huge competitive advantage for us that Kevin leveraged extremely well when he got Pronger and Pekka. I mean, Pekka, it took him a while to fit in, mm-hmm. uh, but he he that was a great line in the playoffs. But uh, I mean, we we had a competitive advantage to start. We had a really good team. I mean, we used to, I mean, that's before uh, Corsi and so forth and stuff like that, but I'm sure our Corsi was very, very strong because we carried the play uh, most games. We didn't always win, but then we got Dwayne Rollison, and he was, I mean, he was really the best player in every series till the finals. Yeah. And- I mean, he's the only reason we beat Detroit. He was a lot better than uh, Manny Legacy. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, he was really good. And, and uh, yeah, and Samsonov, he set up the goal by Hemsky that Bryn talked about to, to put the Red Wings away. You also had the best defenseman who's probably played here in the last 20 years or so. Mac, yeah. when you guys got that shorty from Fernie and beat them. Well, a couple things I remember. You at the bench, giving it to the crowd. <laughs> and when you yeah. ca- when you came back here and waxed them for zip, I was absolutely convinced that the team was going back to Raleigh and this team, I was going to finally get to cover a Stanley Cup win after getting here and for the 1990 Cup and doing a little bit of that. I thought you guys were a lock to win that. Now that your years removed from that, Mac, when you look at that final game and I guess the opportunity lost, did it all swing with the Rollison injury, because you still got to Game 7. It was right there for you. No, that's a great question, and one that I haven't been asked before, but I contemplate a lot. Right. Because what, you know, and and to a certain extent, it happened last year with Boston and St. Louis. Mm -hmm. I mean, you lose Game 6, you know, uh, so Boston goes back home like and they go home satisfied and we killed them in game six, as you mentioned, like it was maybe the best game. Well, it was the best game we played all year. It was Mm -hmm. just men against boys. They didn't have a chance. We just smothered them. The crowd was wild. It was, they didn't, they didn't have, you know, normally there's ebbs and flows and momentum changes and so forth in the game, but there weren't any, we carried it the whole game for 60 minutes. Yep. But we left satisfied and uh, satisfied that that was enough. And they didn't leave satisfied. Yeah. You know, they were, they, they were desperate to get better. And, uh, you know, I, there, there was not much, uh, there, there was nothing really that I was uh, unhappy with in that game. But, uh, you know, there, there is a slight psychological advantage going into the next game because the other team knows they have to be better, and we're 
we're happy with uh, what our best was. So I think that, you know, that, that psychology plays a part in the outcome. And I think it, it did, did, did with us cause we just didn't generate the same uh, energy uh, flow as we did from game six. You just brought up the word psychology and you, you like that because I remember we talked about, uh, about goaltending at some point during that season. And you always talked about how, you got to be really careful with the goaltenders because if you got a hot goaltender and maybe cools down for a game or two and you you switch up and you bring in the other guy and he's flat, sometimes that other guy doesn't come back in with the same kind of intensity. And you always seem to like the uh, the psychology part of the game. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, for sure. And I, I would point to the job that Dave Tippett's done with the goalies this year. Okay. I mean, phenomenal. Just uh, – and uh, – I haven't followed it as closely as you guys, I'm sure, but uh, the way he's handled both those goalies has been incredible. And uh, th- that's that's really underrated uh, in terms of uh, uh, the importance of coaching, uh, to, to give the goalies enough confidence and enough rope to, mm-hmm. to uh, get comfortable in the net and feel good about themselves. I think he's just done a... Well, he's done a great job in so many different areas, but the goaltending is one area I point to that's obvious. Well, the thing is, he play. Tip's a smart guy. You know that, Mac. You have you've coached against him and you've watched him coach. He's got two opposites in that crease. Uh, Mike Smith will battle you. He'll fight you. He'll do whatever you want. Dwayne Rollison was much the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, Koskinen yeah. is cooler, uh, more a little more mechanical. The thing is, he's got confidence now, and they're not running him out there every game and wearing him out. Some guys can play 60 or 65 games. Miko Koskinen hit the ditch when they started to ride him hard down the stretch. So he's he doesn't need to fix anything. It ain't broken goal. That's what it looked like, yeah. That's what it looked like to me, too. He made a save last night to save the game. Which oh, yeah. we, were down, we were down 3-2. And uh, they had an opportunity, a really good look to make it 4-2, and he made an unbelievable save, and we end up getting the win. So, I mean, uh, I obviously the, the, the lion's share of the credit goes to the goalies, but I really like the job Dave's done. Craig, while we're sitting here chatting, the NHL have announced their three stars this week, and number one is Brad Marchand with the Boston Bruins, who had a great week. Connor McDavid is number two. Brock Nelson of the Islanders is number three. Leon Dreisaitl is not getting enough attention by the league, in my estimation. Do you think he's being completely overlooked, and yet here he is leading the way he's leading? Yeah, I don't know enough about it. I haven't followed the media as as much, but, I mean, it's pretty – what he's done it really speaks for itself. I mean, he's an amazing player. He processes the game at a real, real elite level, like – there's very few guys that I've ever coached or seen that will find guys on the ice that you don't see in the stands. I mean, I've got some experience in the game, so I can see the first and second and maybe the third option, but he'll like much like Wayne did. I mean, Wayne processed the game. It was just amazing the way he processed the game and the people that he saw and Leon's, I mean, he maybe doesn't have, uh, as good a processor as Wayne, but it's close. And uh, Wayne was so far ahead of anybody uh, in my mind that's ever played the game in terms of the way he saw the ice. I remember one time we called too many men on the ice <laughs> when he had the puck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, that tell, told me everything I needed to know. Like he was just counting bodies out there and, and, and Leon has that ability and, the thing that I see with those two this year that I didn't see last year was their ability to create things in the offensive zone through the cycles and the support. And, uh, you know, and credit cast too. If they need to, if they can't find each other or they're both covered, they'll reboot it to cast in behind the net and he'll quickly protect it and give it to them as quickly as he can, which is uh, credit to cast. But they really support the puck, in my mind, better than they 
they did last year, and they're very dangerous off the cycles. Last year, I thought it was more rush-driven, and this year, there's it's uh, they've added that too, and that's that's really uh, really enhanced their effectiveness together. Mac, before we let you go, I've got to ask you at least one question. Um, your ties to this city are obvious. Uh, player, coach, manager. You're now going off to coach the Spengler Cup. The ties here are unmistakable. Now, I remember thinking you could end up back in Edmonton even though you uh, left uh, before you came back and, and went on to become the GM. We were going to have coffee out in Kelowna, and you had to cancel. The thing is, you didn't tell me why you had to cancel. And you were, you were on your way back to Edmonton to be unveiled as joining the club again. So nothing surprises me anymore. I had a good laugh over it. But here's my thought. You're a coach first and foremost. You want to stay busy. You've got the Spengler Cup uh, coming but these ties to Edmonton, Mac, is there any way, any chance, any situation that could see you back in back in Edmonton in a hockey ops capacity with this club? Or is that a, a ship that sailed? I don't know. How do you feel about the possibilities? Ah, I, I'd say remote. <laughs> um, I think that uh, I'm, I'm enjoying doing... Uh, taking some time off now. You never say never in this game because you never really know, but mm-hmm. I'd say those possibilities are are remote. I've really enjoyed uh, just being a fan, uh, as I said earlier, much more than I thought. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, certainly have a high regard for many members of the Euler organization and the people that surround it. Uh, but I'd say remote. Okay. I have to ask one question I've always wanted to ask you, and I don't know if I was too scared before, and I've known you forever along with Robin. Yeah. If you could change, yeah. and, and I when I saw it, I went, that's going to live forever. If you could change the Harvey the Hound episode, <laughs> what yeah. would you have done differently? Well, I would have done what Kevin Lowe told me after that I should have just taken the tongue and put it in my lapel pocket and just folded <laughs> it over. That's what I should have done instead of throwing it back. Well, but, uh, you know, my well, career is wrapped up into three three events, that being one of them. Well, uh, the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah no, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing too, watching it. The look on Billy Moore's face is absolutely classic. If you give it, and we'll all be, we'll be watching that one forever. But just watch Billy Moore's next time, and the reaction when you waved it around and threw it into the crowd was was absolutely classic. It was just so much fun. Yeah. But that, that you know the what? Thing I re- the thing I remember most about that was we lost the game. I'm mad, but I lo- I saw the the clip, and it was hilarious. After so, I'm coming out to address the media and uh terry <laughs> jones didn't get it he he didn't get it he and that's something that he'd be all over and uh he's he kind of was looking at me like okay what's wrong here what am i not getting because you're not as unhappy as you normally are when when you lose and and uh he he, he missed it <laughs> and uh, I, I, that's something that uh, I've never really talked to Terry about, but because uh, uh, I, I, he, I know he asked me a question like, "What, what, why do you seem like you're not as uh, not that angry mm-hmm. about this game?" I'm going, "Wow, <laughs> <laughs> Take, <laughs> I'm a bit, I'm human too." Yeah. Yeah. that was classic. Yeah. Classic. Was that was classic. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for your time today. This has okay. been outstanding, and good luck with Team Canada and everybody in Cough. You're going to have a blast over there in Switzerland at the Spengler Cup, and uh, perhaps we can talk to you as the season starts to wind down over here and get your fan view on the Oilers as they head into the playoffs. Uh, because yeah, right right now good, they're they're not going to stumble the way they're playing right now. I just I can't see it. I 
I, I wasn't sure where they were going to end up, but right now I'm starting to feel really quite positive they're going to make nice, it. Nice jinx, Bryn. Way to go, Sorry. Al. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all cautiously optimistic because we've seen a lot of worst-case scenarios oh, yeah. play out. But yeah. uh, I don't. I I just can't imagine that uh, that uh, you know. I, I love the coach and the way that Leon and Connor, all of the goalies. It's that it, it looks good to me. Enjoy uh, Mac. Enjoy sitting in the cheap seats, having a look and having some fun. And hey, thanks a lot yeah. for joining us today, huh? Okay, guys. No, my pleasure. Pro-Am Sports is Edmonton's home for sports and entertainment memorabilia. Featuring unique collectibles and apparel, we've got you and your fan cave covered. Pro-Am Sports, located in Edmonton at 12728 St. Albert Trail and proamsports.ca. How's everything in Canmore? Uh, good, uh, good to get out of Calgary. It was nuts the last couple of days. It was unbelievable. The um, the dressing room. I would imagine it's going to take them probably until February to get the stains out of the carpet. <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> Joining us on the podcast today, legendary radio performer and uh, what a community guy, Jerry Forbes joins us from Calgary. It was great. You know what? Uh, kudos to Edmonton because they had such a great crew putting that together last year that. The CFL did the the right thing and said, why don't we just take those people and move them down to Calgary and see if we can't make it even better. And having everything in one location down at Stampede Park, it was was great because you had transit down there, a place where limos could drop people off. Nobody could drink and drive. Um, it was just a huge party from tent to tent to tent. Uh, the Big Four hosted a bunch of great lunches when they honored Tony Spolatini as Man of the Year. And the fans came in droves from both Winnipeg and Hamilton. Well, Jerry, one of the challenges for any host committee or any host city, when you don't have the home team in it, it can put a damper on things. But it sounds like because of good organization, the venue, everything went off without a hitch and was really good. Well, it's funny. If you're not into the CFL like we are, and I know we're all big CFL fans, it almost looks like a cult because everybody's wearing their colors. <laughs> everybody's having a party. Everybody's shaking hands. And they could give a damn about the rest of the city. But I think that, that when all these people arrived, it really changed the vibe on Friday. Everything started to go nuts. Every party was packed. They had music for everybody. And how about that halftime show last night? Yeah. Let's touch on that for a second because you've been in music radio forever. I'm at the point where CanCon, I understand the importance of of you know, helping Canadian artists get a leg up. But at the end of the day, this is a major, major event for our country. So why would you not get a major, major performer like Keith Urban to step up and perform? I I, I don't know why people are so, and there's people down on it, and there's people like me. I think it was great. I think it rivaled the Super Bowl. I thought the way they had that set up, their, uh, their set up and tear down, how quickly they did that, how cool it looked, and then bringing in Carrie Underwood uh, in a video was just simply unbelievable. Keith Urban, I didn't know I was such a fan until I started watching. Unreal. Well, I tell you what, and here's here's another thing that adds to it. How? What was your sense of how people uh, got behind, if they did, the Blue Bombers? I can't think of one person that had the Blue Bombers winning big. If anybody had the Bombers, it was, well, I think they can do it, Bombers by three. It was virtually nine out of ten people thought Hamilton was going to run it up on them. Well, you saw that team all year. They were the best team by far. And, uh, I mean, I I think everybody even run it on Twitter. Um, Thinking with my head, I'm going Hamilton. Thinking with my heart, I'm going Blue Bombers. Mm -hmm. The Blue Bombers just steamrolled them. They, They were just possessed. And and you could I don't think I've ever seen a, a game at a Great Cup that was that hard hitting. I, I don't think half those guys are will be able to walk today. It, it was pretty harsh, and really, when you take a look at you know we can talk all we want about the season that the Hamilton Tiger Cats had, but the Blue Bombers they did it the hard way. They had to go into Calgary and beat a very favored Stampeder team at McMahon Stadium, and then they had to go into Regina and knock off the Saskatchewan Roughriders, and they did that too. And I was wondering if they'd have enough gas left for the big game. And they did. 
got to be honest, got to be honest, I never thought either one of those things would happen. But it, it did remind me of when Calgary had that, that amazing season a couple of years back. And we, we were a super favorite in the Grey Cup, and then uh, and then uh, Toronto comes in and beats us, you know? Yeah. The, well, unbelievable. Well, Jerry, one of the things I look for, I mean, the game matters. That's why we you have the big party. But there were so many stories uh, with, with that Bomber team, the quarterback situation, Caleros and Strevler. Uh, then there was the Andrew Harris situation, which was a little bit controversial. He came and he played like he was mad and had something to prove. And then on the human side, there's the Richie Hall story. He comes down from the booth, uh, peels off his headset, pulls on his hoodie and goes down to celebrate just a few weeks after losing his brother. Uh, there were a lot of storylines in this one. Uh, it really was from from day one. I mean, think about Zach Caleros, the guy that was kicked to the curb because of concussions, right? Mm -hmm. And then sent, sent to all those different teams, ended up back in Toronto with five quarterbacks on the roster. And you got to think, okay, my career is over. And then, boom, this changes uh, in the storybook fashion it did. And he goes on like, boy, he's going to be a free agent now too. Who's going to sign him? Well, what if they spend the money? We'll have to find out. You're very plugged in with what's going on with the Stampeders. What is going on with the Stampeders? Uh, how do you see things moving forward? We know one thing. If Huff is around, they're always going to be competitive. It's a team that's always close and have been for the last 20 years. But what about the quarterback? Good question. Uh, I, I mean, it's funny. People jump on and off the bandwagon with Bo Levi Mitchell. I don't know. He's still a great quarterback. He had a rough game where he threw three interceptions. It happens, right? Yeah. But uh, our backup, of course, uh, is also going into free agency and he's going to, he wants to play. He wants to start somewhere and, and, and he probably will. So we'll be looking for another backup guy. Right. But Huff always brings in four or five great guys. The, the other thing too, about Bo, he's done something. No other stampede quarterbacks done. He's won two great cups, correct? Yes. And, uh, and, uh, great in the community. Uh, People really like him on the team. His teammates like him. I think I think Bo's sticking around, but we'll need a backup. We made a couple good acquisitions towards the end of the season on defense, too. So we'll be competitive, but I think the, the league will be like it was this year. You don't know who's going to win it. We will uh, give you some time now to run out and get a couple of Keith Urban CDs or uh, download on Spotify. Uh, and just before we let you go, because you, you've stepped away after doing so many great years in radio, not only in Calgary, you were in Edmonton for a while, you were down east, but you've been great in the community. You brought up Tony Spalatini and uh, all the great job that they do in the community. Are you still able to stay active now that you've kind of stepped away from the mic? Well, I think what I'm going to do when I leave here is head back to Calgary and go get another carpet cleaner and help that guy McMahon clean the dressing room. <laughs> hey, Jerry, thanks for your time today in Canmore. We appreciate it. It's nice where you can get away from the city for a little bit of a break, and uh, we'll talk again sometime soon, my friend. Cheers, boys, and go Oilers. Fresh air and fun. Experience it all this summer in a new RV from Carefree RV. Trade up to the perfect bunk model from reputable brands like Winnebago and Forest River. So many floor plans and payments starting at just $53 bi-weekly. Plus, one free year of CoachNet warranty on all RVs. Carefree RV opens seven days a week in Edmonton and Leduc. Online, carefreerv.ca. Big thank you to Craig McTavish and also Jerry Forbes for joining us on this edition of The Outsiders. Hey, that's it for today. That was, uh, I got to say one thing. I'm shocked that Craig McTavish gave us that much time to talk today. Uh, you know what? It was kind of nice because uh, more than once we would sit around the rink uh, when for him as a coach, the whiteboard wasn't around. Yeah. For me. Uh, the notepad wasn't around and we just talk hockey and we talk other, you know, we'd talk uh, beyond the game itself. And he was always happy to sit around and, and, uh, shoot the breeze. He's a smart guy. He's an interesting guy. It was, uh, it was terrific to get that much time from him today. Also, I enjoyed chatting with Jerry in, uh, in Calgary slash Canmore because, oh my God, how many times was I on his show? 
uh, back in the day. It was just nice to uh, check in with him a little bit. Mm. He's got a lot of pride in the city of Calgary, and he should. Yes. Uh, one of the things about, uh, you know, I never really worried about the party in Calgary, Grey Cup week. They had gotten over the shock of not having their team in it at the semifinal level, not the Western final. And so the moment everybody started to come to their town, the one thing that having lived in Calgary for a few years, fans are always like to show everybody a good time. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened this time around. So it's nice to check in with Jerry. Coming up here as we now head into the month of December, a couple of things. One, we're going to have a best of show coming up. Uh, you're going to love some of the interviews that we've done. We've taken some snippets out of the interviews we've done over the last three months, and we're going to uh, have that put together for you that will run over the Christmas season. Coming up in this next month, we're going to chat with our friend TJ, Terry Jones, longtime writer in Edmonton, and he has seen it all. Is that fair to say? Is that an is that an understatement or an overstatement? No, that's on the money, Bryn. Uh, Jonesy has seen it all. And yes. He's, and he's written it all, and sooner or and later— And he's created some of it. Yes, and if we look long enough, we may find a Hall of Fame that he's not in. Uh, there's that as well. Uh, there's he, He's pretty much covered the bucket list when it comes to uh, sporting events he's wanted to cover, so we'll chat with him. Also going to track down Brian Mudrick, who is the television voice of the Montreal Canadiens. We haven't gone that far. We've gone to Toronto on a couple of occasions, but we've not gone down to Montreal to find out what's happening with the Habs. We've also checked in. Well, actually, you know what? We did go a little further. We chatted with A.J. Jakubik not long ago in Ottawa, but we're going to go to Montreal sometime over the next little while, and lots of great guests coming up as well. Oh, absolutely. Going to be fun, man. Absolutely. Don't forget, you can email us at mightymouth at shaw.ca. We'll get back to you. If you want to email us and you have any questions or maybe a guest suggestion or two, please tell us. Also, here's a huge thing. Tell your friends that we're here. It's real simple. Just subscribe or hit the RSS feed, and uh, that way anytime we have a new podcast out on any of your favorite ear candy sites or platforms, you'll know about it. So, Robin, that's it for today. See you next time, pal. Absolutely. Looking very much forward to it. Recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.